A very Kerry welcome from myself, Lucy Nolan, currently on location in the gorgeous southwesternmost tip of Ireland, to this episode 15 of our Fabulous Flowers TV podcast, only complete, of course, when the other 50% of duo is here, over the airwaves in deepest, darkest rural Sussex. Hello, Paulie. Good afternoon, Lucy. It's lovely to be with you again for our lovely, amazingly fabulous, fabulous flowers episode 15 podcast. I can't believe it already. I know. Unbelievable. Really nice. Great that we can still make this technology work, even though we are now in different countries. Challenges, I think, have been overcome, I would say, in gargantuan portions this week, Paulie. What would you say? I would say yes, Lucy. I mean, my technical prowess has come to the fore, not. Um, but what can you do? But really, but it's just lovely. I can see you over the, over the airways in, in rural Ireland looking very pretty and slightly sun-kissed there. Have you been out fishing and gallivanting? Um, we have, actually. Thank you for asking. Yes, we've, um, we've very much put ourselves out to sea in our little boats and we've caught some delicious prawns and some wonderful mackerel which we enjoyed last night, which was simply super. So kids are doing very well gathering from the sea there. And uh, nothing that a little chilled glass of Chablis doesn't, uh, doesn't turn into a rather delicious feast. Oh, my goodness. And the, the lovely thing about the, I remember when I came to see you, those prawns that you catch in the sea just taste of proper prawns and, and the sea and, and loveliness rather than something that's kind of been flown halfway around the world. Yes, I know they do. They do really. They are second to none. And the flavor and the taste and everything is just, oof, you know, they are in the water and then out and an hour later. Delicious. Anyway, um, we digress, Paulie. Here we are uh, to talk all things flower. And this week we are focusing on something I know less about as a flower. Um, it was one of my mother's favorites. And as a child, I do remember having some in a few of the borders. But uh, please share with us and with everyone your chosen star of the podcast this week. This week, Lucy, I'm concentrating on a cottage garden jewel. Da, 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 da. It's the marigold. Mm, how lovely. They really, really are. They're just a wonderful, wonderful cottage garden favourite. And brace yourself. Here comes a fabulous flowers Latin lesson. Mm. They are known as the Tajetis, um, or the Tajetis, if you want to sort of get it proper, get it pronounced properly. Um, and it's the genus of plants from which the marigold hails, the Tajetis. Um, and it is, it's an annual or a perennial, but they're mostly herbaceous and they are part of the sunflower family, which, of course, we know, Lucy, from our previous lovely podcasts. It's all under the Asteraceae family umbrella. Um, and it actually comes from the Latin name from the Etruscan god, Tajis. Oh, how lovely. Yes. Um, Asteraceae family umbrella. I do remember that, Paulie. Sunflowers. Um, and I think a couple of other ones there. Seems to be a very broad and rather encompassing umbrella there for some of our flowers. Yes, yes. And it was described as that genus by the Swedish botanist Carl Linnaeus in 1753. And I must just apologise for my Latin pronunciation, um, listeners, it's not, it's not my go-to, but um, I'm doing my best. 
Um, but the genus is native of the south of Mexico, actually. Um, it's quite interesting. But some species have become naturalised around the world. Oh, that sounds good. Yes, absolutely. Well, most species of marigolds have pinnate green leaves, which are those slightly sort of frilly, sort of delicate, lacy little leaves. And um, their blooms naturally occur in gold, orange, yellow, and sometimes white, and often with maroon highlights. Mm. I've had my experience with maroon highlights once or twice. Um, <laughs> but the floral heads are typically uh, sort of four to six centimetres in diameter, and generally with, with both ray florets and disc florets. Mm. Oh, yes. Well, that's the kind of uh, the pointy little leaves. Sorry, the pointy little petals, isn't it? I remember those. Some of them are kind of thin and pointy, and some of them are just like a lovely clump in a in a kind of well, exactly as described in a disc. That that great. Two different sorts there. Yes, yes, and in horticulture, they, they tend to be planted as annuals. Although the perennial species are gaining popularity, um, and they have very fibrous roots. So. Um, the gardeners amongst us will sort of know that they are they they are sort of very fibrous. But depending on the species, marigolds grow well in almost any soil, and are best in soil with good drainage. Mm, fair enough. Yes. Well, that's good. So if I do decide to pop a few of those in my borders down in Sussex when I return from the Emerald Isle, then I will make sure that I put a bit of grit or something in there just to increase the drainage. Uh, the drainage, even. Oh dear, wrong teeth. So that's good. Um, but what I would like to know, Paulie, is how you use them and why you enjoy using them. Well, they, I mean, they are so charming. They've got that wonderful old school sort of cottage garden appeal. And and you can't fail to be sort of entranced by their splashy colour and cheery habit. Um, they're so distinctive in scent, which is quite pungent, um, but but a really distinctive sentence. And for me, they're very important in floral decorations. Um, they've got that lovely sort of old school look and, and those bright oranges and burnt copper shades are just wonderful. And if you want to do a sort of a hot, punchy colour decoration, a late summer thing. Um, and those dual colours are just great with other foliages. Mm, yes, gosh, wonderful to have the green juxtaposed with the orange and yellows and all those copper shades. That sounds amazing. Yes, yes. And, and if I was doing a, a, a sort of, um, for me, they're a, a, quite a casual flower. Um, they'd be lovely in a kitchen jug. And I'd pair them with, as you just suggested, a lovely hot green for that sort of um, contrast. Mm. Hot green, always my favourite, Alcamilla mollis. Um, yes. Mantle, for those who, who um, want to have a, a more colloquial um, term for them. Uh, so the lime green acts as a marvellous foil to those hot oranges or, or maybe a blue or a purple would be lovely with them. But um, perhaps some faded blue Eryngium thistles or or some punchy, vivid blue cornflowers. Oh, yes. It's all those kind of opposite colours in the spectrum, isn't it? The orange with the blue, the purple really popping and, and, and hotting and trotting. Sounds good to me. And I love a jug, a couple of big jugs for me. I have to say, Lucy, I'm so pleased you say that. I, you know, I'm keen on, very keen on a couple of large jugs of them, definitely. But I, <laughs> but I have to say, they do take me back. Oh dear. Anyway, I think it might be the Kerrier, Dolly, uh, darling. Um. Anyway, 
get back in the room. I remember they do take me back because in a professional way, I love, love using them. And it takes me back to a huge Bollywood party I did um, for a very successful Indian client. Um, it was in London at the very prestigious Claridge's Hotel. So we had many a guest um, and quite a few sort of Bollywood stars. So, I mean, I was lucky enough to sort of be there when they were arriving, sort of lurking in the back and the glittering outfits. And I mean, it was it, the wedding took sort of two years to plan. It was very, very stressful, but incredibly rewarding and such a lovely, lovely client. Um, it really was fabulous. How amazing. And was the client from this country or had they come in from India? How did you pick up the gig? I picked up the gig through um, actually a very good friend of mine who's a Hollywood, um, what I say Hollywood, Bollywood producer, Bollywood rather than Hollywood. And um, it was one of his actors, actually, who um, who was getting married. So it was all very exciting. And we had to sign quite a few um, uh, sort of forms to NDA type things. So I can't really talk about it too much. But um, what was so lovely, it was, when they all arrived, they were all given wonderful garlands of marigolds and I, you know I, I I'd never ever made a marigold garland before so I was, I was recommended a lovely florist in Southwark who made them all for me and they were utterly beautiful made with such precision they were works of art um, wow. and the, you know, the great thing about marigolds they're delicate and resilient at the same time and all the guests were presented with these garlands and it was just you know it was just a lovely way to instantly feel you were part of the celebration experience and um, it definitely heralded the start of the merrymaking. Yes, that's a lovely idea. Really sort of makes you part of the decorations and the wedding and the pomp and the excitement rather than just sitting and watching. You actually become part of that live floral installation. That's a fantastic idea. It was. It was and they've just got such an innocent charm. And another way I've used them in my floral floral work has been um, as a pomander at, at a wedding. So a pomander is a round floral ball studded with flowers, and you hold it with a ribbon as a little a little pom pom. Instead of holding a bouquet as a bridesmaid, mm. you'd hold a little pomander, and it's made from an oasis ball. And you can get oasis these days, which is quite kind to the environment which is great because not all floral foam is that kind to the environment I must just get that one in so there, there is a uh, a kind one which uh, breaks down rather than hanging around forever anyway um and it's you use a little hoop ribbon on it studded with the raffia uh, sorry studded with the marigolds and they were so pretty and they had that kind of slightly lark rise to candleford charm and um mm. They conjure up cottage gardens, cutting gardens from days gone by. And um, and I think they're very much to be celebrated. So I think, listeners, I think get planting your marigolds. Wow, that's that's conjured up such a beautiful image, Paulie. I love the idea of a, of a pomander. And I think sometimes when you have bridesmaids or indeed page boys or people at wedding of young age, to carry something like that is so easier and would look florally and colour-wise, completely stunning. So that's a that's a great idea. Anyone who's planning a wedding, um, you might want to pop that one in your notebook. Um, now, you mentioned the Latin name, Pauli, Tagides. Um, that is named literally, it means ploughing of the earth. And it likely refers to the ease with which these marigolds came out each year. They just popped their little heads out from the seeds 
or from the stems regrown from the stumps. The common name in English, marigold, is derived from Mary's gold, a name first applied to a similar plant native to Europe. Most commonly cultivated varieties of marigold are known variously as the African marigolds or French marigolds. There's a little bit of info there on marigolds for you, everyone. Depending on the species, marigold foliage is a musky, pungent scent, as you mentioned, Paulie, though some varieties have been bred to be scentless. That sounds a bit boring. Marigolds are said to deter some common insect pests. That's handy. And often used in companion planting for tomatoes, eggplants, chili peppers, tobacco and potato plants. However, due to the antibacterial properties exuded by the roots, marigolds should not be planted near your vegetable crops. That's one to watch out for there. The florets of some species of marigold are rich in orange-yellow carotenoid lutein. And that, ladies and gents, is a food colouring made. A little natural orange food colouring there. In Europe, this colouring is used in foods such as pastas, vegetable oils, margarines, mayonnaise, salad dressings, all, all manner of things, it seems, baked goods, confectionery, dairy products, ice cream, yum yum, yogurt, citrus and mustards. I mean, how long is that list? I mean, that's pretty amazing, Lucy. I mean, I, I had no idea that the colour from this bright little, it's like bright little sort of sunshiny petals, um, was used in foods we eat sort of every day just to give them a little tinge. I mean, that's great. I know, fab, isn't it? Well, I've really loved delving into the uh, the trug of marigolds. So now moving swiftly on to our topic. Um, I love the word topic, very underused and so glorious to get one's tongue round. Topic, topic, topic. Um, sage, Paulie, isn't it? Please do commence forthwith, oh wise one. See what I did there on all things sage. I see what you did there. Wise sage. Yes, that's definitely me. Um, I love that, Lucy. I'm just loving, I'm just loving all those marigold tip top tips. And I'm also um, quite flattered to be referred to as a wise sage because I'm really not that. But anyway, I'll take it. Topic. I want to say topic as well. Topic. Mm. I like that. Anyway, yes, it's sage. It's sage and it's been all about herbs ever since day one in my floral work. I love, love, love using them. I love the garden reference of them and they really inspire me in my floral work. It's it's a herb of integrity. I just adore it for the scent. And again, it's it's vital. It, it connects one to the flowers. I know that you can't just have flowers. You need the foliages and the herbs. Uh, I just love mixing them up in table decorations or in a bridal bouquet and mixing it with other gorgeous sort of garden herbs like rosemary, rosemary, no, no, rosemary, rosemary, mint and lavender. And it's just, mm. just creates such a high summer concoction. Oh, yes, lovely. And I love the way you use your herbs. It's always so refreshing and the scent and the texture, actually, that herbs bring. It's It's always a different texture to the flowers and they just elevate any decoration. Love it. No, it, it sort of makes them look a lot less sort of done, in inverted commas, and a lot less kind of, I don't know. Fussy. Looks, sorry, darling? Fussy. Yes, it looks a lot more natural and a bit more, a bit more sort of picture in the garden, which is definitely my look. But I love using it in my tablescaping, and I think 
uh, those who have tuned into our uh, YouTube channel, Fabulous Flowers TV, can tune in and, and see my little video, well, our lovely video we did uh, on tablescaping. And I just love to use sage plants amongst other herbs in old terracotta pots, twiddly diddling down the table. That's twiddly diddling is a very technical floristry, mm, but, uh, mm. a bit like willy nilly. Um, and I love to intersperse them with bottles and vases of cut flowers. It's a very pleasing result, very natural. Yes, I love it when you intersperse it with bottles, usually the, the full ones with some wine in them. Oh, <laughs> this is true. A big wedding that springs to mind, actually, is one I did in Shropshire a few years ago. And we just did, again, masses of terracotta pots with other herbs going down the table, softened with moss, with big, big fat altar candles. And the candles went all the way up uh, the staircase and it just looked magical especially when the bride and groom appeared for the evening due. And it was it just gives me goose pimples thinking about it. But um, mm. the, the money shot is as they walked down the staircase to rapturous applause. And um, I was actually worried her dress might catch fire, but um, luckily it didn't. Oh, thank goodness for that. But yes, gosh, love candles. That's always so brilliant. It does. It does provide a completely different atmosphere, makes it truly magical, but uh, always has to be used with care. Absolutely, Lucy. And actually, I've got a little photograph of that very staircase with the pots of herbs and the candles, which I will pop up on Fabulous Flowers TV Instagram. Hmm. So, um, but what was so lovely, I'm just going to, there's a little kind of nugget at the end of this little weddingy story here. So a couple of years later, I was asked back to their house to create flowers for a lovely lunch party they were having. And um, what was so wonderful, I just saw their flower beds were burgeoning with herbs and the sage was particularly rampant, um, mixed with all their herbaceous lovelies growing away. And um, what was so fabulous, Lucy, they were the plants from the wedding and they'd planted them in the garden and there they were having another lease of life. Oh, that's so lovely. So talk about recyclability, sustainability and incredibility with your floral decorations there, Paulie. The gift that keeps on giving. Use it, plant it, use it again. Absolutely. And sage is so wonderful, uh, has so many different shades. You've got the, the dark sort of aubergine one. Then you've got the lovely pale greyish sort of charming soft one. And then the variegated one. And, you know, variegated is not normally my thing, but they're all three decorative winners as well as being very useful. So um, herbs in floral decorations for me are a must and they're just as important as the flowers. Ah, oh, absolutely, Paulie. I completely agree. So I found a few little sagey facts out for everybody. Sage was a favourite herb of Marcus Aurelius. He was Roman Emperor from AD 161 to 180. In medieval times, sage was reputed to be able to impart wisdom and improve the memory. So that's where the word sage seems to be used in sense of a wise man such as your good self when it comes to all things floral, Paulie. Um, and as we understand it today, uh, that obviously is how it started, as that medieval belief of the word sage being wise. So according to the medieval language of flowers, so our kind of floriography meaning, if you like, sage means domestic virtue, wisdom and immortality. In medieval times as well, there was a superstition that flourished that said a sage will be healthy when all is well in your house and it will wilt when things go badly not quite sure where that one uh, 
comes to bear. What do you think, Paulie? Well, I couldn't possibly comment, Lucy. I'm just sort of lost in the rapturous sort of chit-chat of uh, uh, all hearing all things sage. So carry on, do carry on. Yes, so um, another couple of little nuggets here. The potent flavour of sage blends well with meat, poultry, corn, biscuits and baked onions. Mm, yum. And leaves of clary sage, those are those whopping great big ones, aren't they, I think, um, are delicious fried like fritters. Yum! And pineapple sage, never heard of that one, is apparently good in jams and jellies. So there's for you culinary experts out there. Go figure with that lot of sage info. There are many kinds of sage, dwarf varieties, and some that grow up to four feet high and wide. Wow, that's a whopper. Uh, most common varieties are grown in herb gardens. They are salvia officinalis. So that is your normal commoner garden sage, which is probably what you've got, Paulie. I've got, everyone's got a little bit of that in their garden somewhere. If you want to grow some yourself, start the plants from seeds or cuttings in full sun. And it can, as Paulie mentioned earlier on, in fact, rather like the marigolds, I think it was, um, be well-drained soil, but they will pretty much, they're okay pretty much anywhere as long as it's well-drained. The plants will die if they're overwatered, so don't overwater them. Make sure they're well drained, and if in doubt, err on the side of underwatering. And for a bushier appearance, poorly, you can trim the plants annually. I myself might trim them more than annually, but you know, just saying. That's fascinating, Lucy, and I, I just love the idea of sort of looking after your your bushy plants and keeping them under control by actually pinching out the middle helps because that gets them nice and bushy and compact and ready for picking for a delicious roast pork. But mm. um, moving on, I'm going to do my little Russell Grant bit for you now um, and talking about the uh, star sign of Leo, which is in July and August. And Leo, I hope all you Leos are listening because your flower is, roll of the drums, the sunflower. So think of the wonderful Leo lion with his big shaggy mane. And that's why the sunflower is your flower, because it has got a sort of mane on it of lovely, beautiful, sort of gorgeous yellowy petals. So um, and also flowers of August um, are also the gladioli and the poppy. Full of character and imagination, those gorgeous Augustine blooms, that's what they symbolise. Oh, that's very nice. Yes. And I can confirm that knowing a few Leos myself. One is my wonderful filmmaking, film directing cousin, um, Christopher Nolan. He is a Leo and he's obviously full of imagination with those amazing films, Batman and Dunkirk. And one of my early favourites, Memento. If any of you guys out there would like to mm. catch an early Christopher Nolan film, go for that one. It's a cracker. Also, we have a Fabulous Flower TV follower of note, the very wonderful Joanna Bird Allen. She is a, a London girl and she's also a Leo and her birthday is in this month. So enjoy your sunflowers, Joe and Christopher and all you Leos. And anyone born in the month of August, enjoy your gladioli and your poppy. That's wonderful. I've forgotten about your talented, amazing cousin, Christopher Nolan. That's amazing. And I didn't realise he was a Leo either, but... Um... I have to say, we've also had some very lovely, lovely um, pictures in from Fabulous Flowers TV followers. Um, and a lovely one that we've, of note um, is from Susan DeLis, the amazing textile queen. Uh, she does lots of beautiful antique textiles, supplies them, sources them. And she popped a few flowers in a little vessel in her house in France. Lo lovely blousy roses and a, and a dahlia or two. So thank you, Susan, for popping those in. Absolutely beautiful. 
Hmm, yes, absolutely. And if anybody would like to have a little look at that, that is on our Fabulous Flowers TV Instagram. And please do continue to send in all photos. We love them. You are creative people. So pick your flowers, select your blooms, pop them in a vessel, take a picture and upload it to our Instagram at Fabulous Flowers TV. Or indeed, pop it on our Facebook page. We love seeing them and Paulie and I will most definitely get back to you. Sometimes we get in touch with people who send our send us our photos and we invite them to be on some of our podcasts. So if you are interested in that too, please get in touch. On a housekeeping note, Paulie, for our next podcast, as I am currently away in the wonderful Emerald Isle with my family for a quiet, self-isolated little Irish break, we thought, didn't we, that it was only right to turn our attention to all things Irish for the next episode. Some Irish flowers, some Celtic floral inspiration. Didn't we, Paulie? Yes, we absolutely did, Lucy. And while you're over there, I'm quite jealous, actually. Um, we'll be delving into the treasure trove of Irish flower tales and floral tips for the next podcast. So um, anything Irish and flowery, do get in touch. But... Um, Lucy, I'm feeling that the bell is ringing for the end of this wonderful podcast. So um, I'm just thinking it's time to say goodbye to our lovely listeners. And until next time, keep it flowery and stay safe. Yeah, goodbye from us. Yes, absolutely, Paulie. I must uh, pop on the old waterproofs and pop myself out to see what the sea might have on offer for this evening's supper. Obviously, paired up with a delicious cold glass of something. So from me, loved catching up with you over the Celtic Sea today. Till next time, when Irish eyes will definitely be smiling. It's a goodbye from me too. Goodbye. Bye-bye. <laughs>